Episode 165 of the Parkrun Adventures is here. We've been experimenting a lot with co-hosts over the last few weeks, and my regular co-host fired a few shots last week. So this week it's just the Scotty Trickett Hour. I'm going to host it all by myself. People have been asking for it, and um, I think we, it's time we gave people what they want. So Who's, who's been asking for that? Mel. <laughs> no, 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 Mel's here. I did try and mute her, but um, I thought I had the all-powering control. You, you I did. I mute you I and thought, you could never had, say anything. Had I muted myself, I didn't mean to do that. So I, I did say something that was hilarious while I was on mute. So unfortunately, all the listeners missed out on that. But I can't remember what it was being a whole minute ago or so. Shots fired though, Scotty. What? Oh, well, I... So we're going to peel back the curtain. Last week you and Lindor did the intro and then we caught up for the outro, but I didn't hear what you said Before in the intro started. until after the edit. <laughs> so I was all buddy-buddy with you, great to have you back. And then I listened back to the intro and you're saying that, you know, Lindor carried me. I've been dead weight. Did you use dead weight for four years? I think, well, that was my interpretation of what you did said. I, I didn't, I would not have said dead weight, surely. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. But yes, you know, I thought I'd do an hour, an hour solo. <laughs> you know, you know, Bill Simmons, you won't know who he is, but he's the podfather. He he quite often rambles for an hour, and I, I admire his ability to do it because I think doesn't Bill Simmons do those uh, NFL ones? Uh, well, he's he's encompassing all pop culture, American sport. Uh, okay, he, but I, you know, I just did a minute. And I think I was out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's lucky I'm here then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I need you, Mel. I need you to bounce off for our rippy, our witty repartee. Our rippy repartee? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we should have. Rippy repartee. <laughs> it sounds like we're all wascally wabbits. Yeah. Um, not a good start. Not a good start. <laughs> but great to have you back. And I, I wrote down a note for this week, my one note for episode 165. I had to remember this, so I'm going to say it now in case I forget. Okay. We hypothesized about the name of your newest child, Emmett, on the show, how the name came about. I want the answer. Ah, did somebody get in touch with you to remind you of that? Because I do recall listening to it um, <laughs> while I was off and thinking, oh, okay. And then, yeah, nobody asked me about that while, um, last week. But last week was a bit of a schmozzle for me because I felt like I was all over the shop. Um, as much fun as I Oh, you read the feedback Lindle. as well? Oh, I read the feedback. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was my own feedback. Did, did I write it somewhere publicly, did I? <laughs> Whoops. Um, no, meant meant no. to say we were fabulous. That's awkward. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah. No, you were great. But you, you were hypothesizing about Emmett's name as in the etymology of it. and. Um, well, yeah. So I said Doc Emmett Brown. And Lyndall, did she say... She said it sounded like it came from somewhere in America, did she? Or is that somebody else that I'm thinking of? See, this is the problem, baby brain. It's real. It's real, people. I think I probably only just recovered from it with Wes and now I've got the second dose with Emmett. Um, was I right? Well, we've we've had a few people say, oh, was it from – I want to – there's an old English show. Um, what's the English show called? I don't want to say Keeping Up with the Joneses. 
No, it's it's something about next door neighbours or something. And there was a gentleman named Emmett who was a pianist and he lived next door. He was the brother of the next door neighbour or something like that, random. And I was like, no, might be as time goes by or something. I don't know. Somebody will, will write in and let us know, no doubt. Um, and No, they won't. No, they won't. Or they won't. No, they won't. We have no user No, no, not not to us officially, but I'll get a message later on. Somebody will message me and tell me what it was that I forgot. Remember how I always used to forget what words were? And I would always get people messaging me during the week to tell me what the word was that I had forgotten. Because you were always never any help. Maybe that's going to come back again now that I've got fresh baby brain. (laughs) It's possible. (laughs) But uh, in answer to your question, Yes, sort of, actually. I'm a big Back to the Future fan. I may have a Marty McFly costume for myself and my husband has a Doc Emmett Brown costume uh, that we've worn to an 80s party or two in the past. And, yeah, I, I love the Doc. And Adam had aspirations before Emmett was born to nickname him Doc, but he's never once used that in the last six weeks that Emmett's been here. So, okay. um, yeah. It's coming. It, it's coming. It's coming. It wasn't it wasn't I won't say that we were watching Back to the Future one day and went, Emmett, that's a really good name. Um because you don't really hear it till the third movie anyway. Uh however, we were both aware that his character's name was Emmett and that did not deter us in the slightest. In fact, it just made us like the name even more. So yes, you were right, Scotty. Yes, I knew I was. <laughs> and uh, look, he's, he's got an impressive head of hair. He does. As Doc Emmett Brown. So He does, yes. Yes, it's all lining up. It's all lining up. Perfectly. So I hope I live long enough to see when Emmett's hair goes that magnificent white and crazy because it's already crazy. <laughs> it's, it's spiky and voluminous. But, yeah, when it goes white. Um, and I hope we all live long enough to see that. Uh, did Emmett go to Parkrun with you on Saturday? We were both at home. I'm spoiling the surprise for all our listeners. He did. Um, he did. He um. Oh, and you know, I think I may have mentioned a punami to Linda last week. He is making a habit of it. It turns out Parkrun gives Emmett the shits, hmm. which is really quite awkward because um. He's got good timing at the very least. He waits until the, right at the end when I finish volunteering and then he unleashes the the punami of it all. Uh, this week I managed to get it on my jeans as well. So Okay, yeah. okay. Let's 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 um, <laughs> this is where we're going. This is what our podcast <laughs> is now. It's me No, well I'm <laughs> look, the foot's going down. Okay. We don't need to talk about this anymore. Much prefer to hear about the, the great social connections and the fun <laughs> times you had at Parkrun, not what was coming out of your child's body. Okay. Um, I, won't, I won't talk about colour or consistency then for you. <laughs> yeah, no, please don't. Please don't. I really, Mel, I don't want to hear about it. And I'm sure I'm a, sure you speak for many listeners yes, when you yes. tell me. See, this is what was missing last week, Scotty. Linda and I, I think we did we did all right. But I reckon if you'd been there, then you could have reined in this. And Linda was probably a little bit too polite to tell me that I shouldn't be talking about crap. Because yeah. we do enough of that as it is. <laughs> yeah. Parkrun, Mel. Parkrun. Parkrun. Focus. Friends. Stay focused. People. <laughs> outdoors. Nature. Nature. Good morning, yeah? Um, yes. You know what? It's this. It, I wasn't run director, but I did get up for uh, just a little um, sort of announcement. And 
And it was a sad announcement and I didn't think I was going to, but I got emotional and I all choked up and had trouble talking because we recently had a, a park runner pass away and um, I was letting the participants know. And what we actually did to mark this one was when um, the time passed 25-24, which was his PB, his name is Bailey. When the time passed that, we actually rang a bell. And I'm going to get all emotional again, but yeah, it was um, lovely anyway. It's, it was a lovely yeah. morning to see the support from all the participants. We encouraged the park runners to um, do do a heart sign with their hands when they saw the photographer if they wanted to show support to his family. And I know it meant a lot to his family as well because they, they looked at the photos and they saw how many people were there. And, um, yeah, the whole Sunshine Coast park running community. Um, I've really been behind him and showing him support. So that was lovely. This is it, Mel. I mean, we say it so often, but Parkrun is family. And then when you lose someone, it's okay to get emotional about it because it's shit. It is. <laughs> it's real shit. Um, it's emotional shit that uh, yeah. is happening. But I'm hoping you had a, um, a less emotional, more happy morning at home this week scotty anything interesting happen look what what has happened so we went back to home and it's all my fault we're still on this adventuring sort of um model the tricket family we're chasing p indexes doing all that sort of stuff but i was i was a shit husband this week because i think ivana wanted to go to darabin but i just couldn't get my act together in the morning so by the time we'd actually left home, we weren't going to make it to Darabin, so we, we just ended up at, back at Westerfolds, uh, which is great. And we've, we're doing this other thing now that Kasha has recently turned 11, and she can run by herself, and she wants to run by herself, all up until the point where it comes to the running by herself <laughs> So she so, arrives with all the intentions, <laughs> and then it's just like, but I want company. Yeah. Yes. No, no. So she took off, and then she got a stitch. And then I caught up to her, said, do you want me to run with you? And she said, yeah. And then we started walking, walk running. Um, it was, then it got really cold and she said, my face hurts. I think my ears are bleeding, Daddy. My ears are bleeding. Can ears bleed from cold? I think they can, Kasha. I think can they, they can. I, I'm pretty sure I've been there. <laughs> I, I know what pains you're I feeling. I said they couldn't. I said ears bleed, but I don't think it's from cold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we checked and they weren't. And I gave her an out. So at the at the turnaround point of the Westerfolds Junior course is the 2K point of the Senior, do we call it Senior or the 5K course? It's the um, just regular series. Regular, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I gave her the out. I said, you just got to run back up the Junior course um, and you can go back to the car. But here's, here's the twist mill. Like, even though she can run by herself, I'm still her father. I didn't want her running through the park at, eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. So I ran back up through the uh, juniors course with her. So I did an 8K park run. So I ran her back to the <laughs> So you could still get your barcode scanned. Yeah, so I did a 44-minute 8K park run, which was the hardest 44-minute park run I've ever done. You've got to be a responsible parent too and do what makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah so great to be back home, um, but cold and pretty much in and out. It was an in and out affair mm. for the trickets on Saturday. Okay. Well, I mean, not that it would have impacted me if you had gone to Darabin, and I, I don't 
at all encourage you to be not a very good husband to your wife and you should get more organized. I'm quite pleased that you didn't have too much of an adventure this week because somebody has managed to equal me on the Australian most events list while I've been off and has actually snuck ahead when you factor in the international events by two. Good. I don't know. I'm not I'm not really willing to let that stand. How did that happen? What did I what have I done the last few weeks? I can't even remember. <laughs> I'm not sure, Scotty. I think I think one <laughs> of them happened. one of them actually was before um before Emmett came along and I, but I think you must have got the other new one in while I was definitely off. Like I haven't been religiously stalking you on Strava or anything like that on the weekends, but I just noticed and I didn't I didn't actually mention it last week, but now that I'm back and I'm back on my game with adventures and stuff like that, yep. You're going down trick it. <laughs> Good. Just quietly. Bring it. Time has Bring come. It. Adam and I have started planning all our adventures between now and the end of the year to make sure that we um well, he wants he wants us to drive places so we use f- fuel so we get more frequent flyers when we use Caltex cards. Don't even get me started on points hacking. Um, yeah. However, we're going to do that one one episode. That's going to be about episode two hundred and something. We're going to get uh, the showman on to do points hacking. <laughs> yeah, got when, when costing me a fortune, we'll be we'll be coming to you from overseas where we've flown to for free because of points hacking. Um, yeah. So, but the, it ties in well with me needing to drive far distances to get to new events and things like that. So, yeah, looking forward to being able to report about adventures not from my home park run very, very soon, Scotty. We are joined by a bit of an adventurer now who is also one of the race directors of a, a very interesting event that's coming up in October. It's not the first time they've had it, so they're old hat at it now. It was launched in 2011. And here to talk to us about the Ned Chelly, Ned Chelly case, I knew I was going to do that, the Ned Kelly chase and his adventures is Justin Scholes. Justin, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. Yeah, g'day Mel, g'day Scotty, how are you guys today? Really well, thank you. That's good. I'm going to jump in, Justin, and ask the first question because I am intrigued by the Ned Kelly Chase, the history of it as much as the the structure of it. So can you give us a bit of a rundown of your event? Yeah, I sure can. Um, and you made some comments a moment ago about not being quite sure how the event works. Uh, you're certainly not alone there. Um, and it was something, the concept of the Ned Kelly Chase is something that Sharon and I uh, discussed in depth um, before we, we actually ran the event for the first time. Uh, because in our uh, running history by then, we'd probably uh, some, completed somewhere around about 40 or 50 ultras between us uh, back in um, uh, 2013 um, when the event first got underway. And what we constantly found is that uh, races about the place had a, a big field at the start and everybody took off uh, together when they felt fresh and good. But invariably, the slower runners got left behind um, and often they'd end up finishing very late when uh, the crowds finished had gone away uh, and or it was dark and cold. And so we thought that if we were going to create an ultra event, we wanted to do something that was a little bit different, um, something that genuinely celebrated participation um, rather than just fast times. 
And so the, the, old, the, the basic concept of the Ned Kelly Chase is that entrants in all events, with the exception of the 10-kilometre fun run, they choose a starting time that will allow them to finish somewhere close to 12pm on Sunday. So rather than all starting as a mass group, entrants are looking to finish close to each other at the end of the day, and that means that when uh, entrants most need support out on course, they're going to have more uh, other entrants around them. And when they cross the finish line, as long as they're somewhere close to 12pm, they're going to have the big atmosphere of the finish. They're going to have hundreds of people in the park. They're going to have music playing. They're going to have the PA system going. Um, and so it doesn't matter if you're a 14-hour 100Ker or an 8-hour 100Ker, for example, you're going to experience that um, uh, that same finish line atmosphere. And for us, that was very important. Um, and certainly the feedback that we've had uh, from entrants over the uh, coming up to the seventh year um, of the event now, um, entrants have been uh, very grateful for that, especially those that are usually a little bit slower um, because they do get to feel as though uh, they get a bigger finish than what they may not in an event where they're struggling to meet cutoff times. Um, and even the faster entrants are saying that they really like it because they don't finish on their own. They're not running for a half an hour at the end uh, all by themselves. So overall, it, it seems to us to be a very good format. Um, can take a little bit for some people to get their heads around, but once you do that, um, it's uh, it's certainly something worth having a, having a go at. Justin, it's a brilliant concept. Um, I've had lots of my friends actually do the Ned Kelly Chase. Can you talk about how it's grown over the years? And you said it's been going for seven years. It's a different concept. It's hard for runners to embrace something that's a bit different. Um, how have you grown over the years and you're continuing to grow? Yeah, we're, we've changed the format a little bit. Well, the, the basic format has always been the same. Uh, choose a start time, aim to finish near a given time. Um, either later that day or the following day. If you're a very slow runner um, or a walker by choice, we allow walkers as well, then you'll start somewhere on the, on the, late on the Saturday night. Uh, but in the early days, we had, uh, we had different formats with the bicycles as well because um, there is a bicycle component to the Ned Kelly Chase. Uh, but we had a, a run-bike option where you'd have two people and one bike. We had 50-50s where runners would do 50Ks each. We had relays. We had all sorts of things. And essentially looking at the, the entry numbers for each of those event types and then speaking to entrants afterwards, that's allowed us to finally settle on uh, a format now that we will be running for the third time this year, which won't have changed in three years. Uh, and that's basically a standalone 100-kilometre, 50-kilometre, uh, marathon, half marathon, um, and all of those events are AIMS IAAF certified, uh, incidentally, um, and then the 10K fun run. Plus what we have is a 100-kilometre bicycle chase and a 50-kilometre bicycle chase. So those, those entrants that uh, choose to cycle, they're given arrest warrants for the runners out on course, uh, like literally a, a paper arrest warrant, and they have to open up those arrest warrants on the start line to work out who they're chasing down. Um, and, of course, because those cyclists are also aiming to finish near 12pm, they start much later than the runners, um, and invariably they travel the same course and eventually they catch up to their runners, um, pull over to the side of the track um, and then discreetly hand out a, uh, a rubber wristband um, to signify that the runner's been caught. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a serious race for those uh, entrants that come along and want to run fast 100-kilometre times. But we've tried to make sure that regardless of the motives of the entrant, 
uh, everybody feels as though they're equally important in the event. Um, and I must say, it took it did take a lot of a lot of creative thought and discussion and trying different things between um, not only Sharon and I but also some people that we're very close with um, to come up with the concept that we've got now that seems to be well embraced by all. I'm fascinated by by the chasing leg and and the the cyclists chasing down the runners is there any um you say they get a wristband to say they've been arrested and things like that but uh, are there any extra um i don't know spoils of war that go to the cyclists if they catch a runner and is is there any sort of penalty for the runners if they get caught like do you have runners dashing off the side of the course to evade the cyclists and things like that yeah, well, well, yes and no. Uh, this is this is where the fun component comes in. Um, in our race briefings, um, before each group starts, we make it clear that if runners want to try to evade arrest uh, when their uh, cyclists catch them, that's fine. They can make a bit of a game of it. Um, obviously, in the end, they need to submit to that arrest, um, but they can certainly try to evade arrest initially if they want. We also make it very clear to the cyclists, though, that their first action must be to cycle past the runner and go 50 or 100 metres or whatever, pull over and just discreetly hand out the wristband Um, because we do have very serious 100k, 50k marathon runners as well who want to do the best possible time they can Um, and if they're in the zone they don't want to be, um, you know, they don't want to be hindered um, or unreasonably held up um, in their their race. So so again, we we try to cater for all. Now as far as the, the runners in all the events go, they get their normal Um, uh, awards uh, based on fastest time Um, and to try to make that even uh, we ensure that the times for the podium placements can only come from people who finish after 11am. If you finish before 11am then it's arguable that you might have um, uh, completed the course in much cooler conditions or in some way had a you know undertaken a different race so as long as as long as runners finish after 11 a.m then they all they they uh, awards are based on the fastest three times with the cycling though it's not a race um there is there is no award whatsoever for completing the course quickly on a bicycle so to ensure that we can give away um winners prizes for the bike um events what we do is we pull out at random from those runners that were captured on the course a top trooper and a deputy trooper. So every runner that gets caught, when they come across the finish line, they drop their uh, wristband to signify their catch into a uh, into a box. And then at the uh, the presentation and celebration dinner that we have later in the afternoon, we pull out of the box the top trooper award. So if as a cyclist you've got five arrest warrants, if you capture all five of your runners, then you get five chances to be pulled out of that top trooper draw. Uh, and we found that that's the fairest way, um, and it works well. Again, it's been really good. There's you know, a lot of excitement and anticipation when we go to pull out that um, uh, that top trooper at the dinner. Uh, and then um, what we also like to do um, is ask the trooper and or the runner uh, to recollect the experience of the, um, of the, of the arrest, uh, and sometimes we get quite some funny stories coming out. So... Yeah, we look, it's just we just try to make the event fun. At the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of serious runners out there. That's great. We all like to um, achieve PBs and things from time to time. But I think most runners also understand that it's not always about PBs. It's not always about fast times. It's very much about being included socially 
um, enjoying the running experience and knowing that you're in the company of like-minded people who are out there to just uh, be the best that they can be, um, you know, have a healthy lifestyle, improve their fitness, um, you know, celebrate and try to promote those things in the broader community. And, um, and we believe that Ned Kelly Chase helps to achieve some of those aims. Love it. Love that you're having a bit of fun. Any controversy around the name? I mean, Ned Kelly was a bush ranger. We've, we've got this funny relationship here in Victoria where we've somehow glorified this um, criminal of 100-odd years ago. How do, you, how do you deal with that? Has anybody questioned you on that? Yeah, they have. Um, we've tried to be very balanced and very careful. Um, like it, it, obviously, Ned Kelly as the bush ranger, uh, hence the chase, Ned Kelly chase, because you're chasing Ned Kelly. Now, that doesn't, to us, that, that wording doesn't in any way suggest that Ned Kelly was a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, we, we, don't, we, we just don't get into that debate. Similarly, when you look at our banner, when you look at the event structure, when you look at all of those things, we try to have Ned Kelly's helmet about as prominently displayed as the trooper's helmet to show that there are absolutely two sides to this story, um, you know, and we're not glorifying, you know, Ned Kelly and, and what he did, um, nor are we um, necessarily saying that there wasn't a side of him that um, was good as well. You know, we don't know. I wasn't around in 1880 and before. Um, I don't know anything more about the Ned Kelly story um, than anybody else. Um, so, yeah, in the early days, we did have a couple of contacts from people who were descendants um, of one of the troopers involved in the Stringy Bark Creek Massacre, um, and he was quite parochial in his disdain for what we were trying to do, and, and that disappointed us. Um, we worked with that person for probably a year, uh, in so much as just forwarding them emails, um, sending them them details occasionally of how we were trying to keep the whole story um, of that time in balance and really celebrating and providing understanding um, of what the 1880s were like in North East Victoria. Um, and I suppose if, if people want to go down the line of saying, well, we should just completely forget about Ned Kelly and forget about um, Bush Rangers and forget about all of the, the, the crime um, that took place, aren't we then, by extension, ignoring the role, the important role that the police had in, in managing the law, taking down criminals, you know, upholding the rights and the laws of our country? So, so you know, we, we don't want the Ned Kelly story to be lost, but nor do we want to glorify or support either side out of balance. Um, and I think we're getting that about right. I'm really impressed that you've put that much thought into it, to be honest, Justin. <laughs> well, we have, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it was probably spurred on to a, an extent by um, people's perceptions of things and stuff like that. I mean, to me, it all just sounds like a whole bunch of fun. And, and basically, all I really want to know is, does anybody get dressed up as either a, um, a trooper or a... Uh, a highwayman, a bush ranger. Yeah, yeah, heaps. Yeah, look, it's so cool. Um, not, not again, not everybody, because we have all different levels of people um, uh, participating. Some aiming for fast times aren't going to dress up, you know, in armour. Um, uh, but we, we definitely have had uh, the odd uh, trooper uh, on bicycles who are dressed up as troopers. 
Um, Sharon and I usually get into troopers' garb as well. We put our helmets on and we blow our whistles and have our big trench coats and things so that we're, you know, as we send the, the bush rangers off on their journey. Um, and we've had quite a few people over the years as well who have, uh, who have made Ned Kelly helmets of some type, um, be they out of fabric or paper or, or whatever, and they've run across the line. Um, we had one guy last year, Snowy, who, who we won't forget, and he was, <laughs> it was quite funny. He was dressed up like a guy from the Wild West in the US, actually, um, but I guess he was a bush ranger of his own type. And he had these two cap guns that he ran around with. And Oh, look, it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's a whole barrel of laughs. Yeah. yeah, love it. And so, yeah, we do. To answer your question simply, yes, we, uh, we absolutely do have, uh, have some people that dress up on occasions. Now, another form of having fun, Justin, is doing a six-day race through Hungary to some people. Yeah. <laughs> One of those people is you. <laughs> Tell us about that. Oh, look, look I don't, yeah, that was, a, a bit, so I guess, a moment of, well, a year of madness in a way. Um, it it kind of sounds a bit flippant, but when you've done over 70 ultras, which I have now, I'm up to, I think, 77, 78. 77? Uh, something like 20, Hang on, just 20 or more. Define an ultra before you go on. Uh, uh, well, longer than marathon distance by foot. 77 of those, okay. So over yeah. so 42.2 k's, yeah. And of that 77, I think 23 or 24 of them are 24 hours or longer. So usually the 24-hour events have been running around a track or walking around the track. Um, although I have done Coast to Cozzy, three times, which most people probably know of, from Eden to Mount Kosciuszko and then part of the way back down. And, and as I said, I, I don't want to sound flippant about it, but you get to a point where you've done that many that entering another 24-hour event just becomes a bit meh, it's just another 24-hour event. And if you don't feel as though you're in <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like I said, I know, I know, I know. I get it. I do get it. Um, if you don't feel as though you're in a condition to run a PB or you don't particularly want to compete even at your best level at that moment for whatever reason for just because you couldn't be bothered um then you start to question why you would enter uh should i bother enter well i guess i can because i can go and particularly with the track 24-hour events i love them because you're in close company to so many other people who have so much varied experience some are there for the first time some are there to run are there to run Australian qualifying distances. Some are there to try to get what might look like fairly small totals, but to them it's meaningful. Um, it's just a really good environment to be in, and you can catch up with a lot of people because you're in a pretty confined space. Um, so, so I think increasingly over the last couple of years for me, not feeling as though I'm in PB form for 24-hour events, um, I've gone to just participate, and I've enjoyed that. But I also felt like I needed something that would scare me a bit, something that would challenge me, something that would help force me to focus on um, uh, an outcome that I hadn't previously achieved. And so that's where the idea to do the six-day race came in. Um, I wanted to do it as a walker, not as a runner, because well, part of the reason, to be honest, the six-day walk record, Australian six-day walk record looked pretty soft at 540Ks, um, and by global standards, when you look at the national records from other countries, uh, that was a fairly soft total. So I thought, well, if I walk it, I can have a crack at that. But looking at the six-day run record, it's held by Yanis uh, um, Kuros, and I think it's about 1,033 kilometres, and I look at that and I go, yeah, nope. <laughs> I certainly can't be doing that. 
Um, and I've been enjoying the ultra walking um, in recent years as well. So I thought, well, you know what, I'll, um, I'll set myself up and see if I can't walk around a 926-metre course um, for six days. So I kind of made that decision really about um, March uh, last year. So what's that, sort of 16, 17 months ago. Um, and even though I continued to run and continued to run ultras, um, my, my primary long-term goal was to do the six-day race in Hungary um, and have a crack at breaking that Australian record. And then the rest is history, really, I suppose. I went over there and I, and I, I did just that. I, I didn't break the record in the, in the, the manner that I'd hoped, um, but I still got there in the end, so that was the important thing. And in doing so, you also became an Australian centurion, Justin. Is that correct? Uh, well, again, I guess. Um, again. <laughs> I'll give you a little bit of background on that. Please. On, on my centurion status, yeah, because that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of um, with all of the ultra events that I've done um, and including with Sharon because um, to become a centurion, you have to walk 100 miles in under 24 hours. Right, that's that's the first thing. So that's eight minutes fifty per kilometre if you don't stop at all um, for twenty four hours to get over one hundred and sixty point eight k's. Uh, and I first uh, got onto that idea, oh gee, probably nearly ten years ago now at the Coburg twenty four hour event. Um, and the Coburg twenty four hour event's been going forever, like thirty something years. Um, Tim Erickson and Bernie Goggin and the the um, Coburg Gaths team down there do just a great job at that event every year. Um, and so I'd been running running the 24 down there for many years and I found out that it, it co-hosts the 24-hour walk championships as well and the Australian Centurion qualifying event. So I thought, you know, I reckon I can have a crack at that. And I told Tim Erickson, I told him um, that I would definitely have a go at walking the 100 miles at some stage. Um, anyway, eventually I did and I, I, managed, um, I managed to succeed down there. And so I became an Australian Centurion doing that. And then from there, uh, I worked out that there's like a fellowship of centurions. There's six countries in the world where they have official centurion events. So I thought, well, gee, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a crack at all of those? Um, so she, anyway, Sharon got her centurion in Australia as well, the Australian Championships in 2013, I think, which was at Middle Park um, that year. It wasn't with the Coburg 24-hour event. It was a standalone event at Middle Park. Um, and she and I actually walked that whole 100 case together. Because I thought, you know, that'd be nice, nice thing to do with your wife, go and walk 100 miles. <laughs> so we did. So we walked that. And then we decided that we'd, we'd like to incorporate doing all of these other Centurion events around the world if and when we could as a part of our annual holiday. Um, so we then eventually completed them all. And that included uh, New Zealand, uh, the USA, the UK, uh, South Africa, and what's called the Continental Centurion, which is in the Netherlands. So Sharon and I walked all six of those international centurion events together, achieved our centurion status together, um, and we're only we're two of only six uh, or seven people, I think, now in the world that have done all of those um, centurion events. So, um, so we're very proud of that. That's incredible, and it's um, yeah. so even though it's not one of the official international events participating in other events like the EMU six-day race in Hungary, that sort of still, um, I don't know, it qualifies the word, um, it means you meet the requirements. So, for yes. example, you 
you set a, an Australian Open record while you were there for the 500-kilometre walk yes. under the Australian Centurion Walkers. And even though it wasn't like an, an official international event, you can still qualify. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, well, yes and no. Um, I suppose I've just given you the background to our Centurion status, Sharon and I. The extension of that is I've walked quite a few other Centurions as well, um, like duplicates of the Australian um, Centurions and so forth. Just get rid of that, sorry. And um, and so I think I'm up to either 13 or 14 Centurion finishes now that are officially recognised by the Australian Centurions. Um, and basically, once somebody becomes an Australian Centurion, um, it's not guaranteed, but you can seek permission from the Australian Centurions to allow you to complete additional Centurions at other events around the world. And in, in the case of Australia, like, again, Tim Erickson, um, and the committee of the Centurions will make a ruling on that. But usually, if you've already done a Centurion and you're capable of more and the event that you want to walk is on a 400-metre uh, track around a stadium or something similar like that where it's really easy for other people to scrutinise the individual to make sure that they do walk and not run, then they will give you permission to do it. So what I did for, um, for the EMU race um, because it was on a 926-metre track, um, I was allowed to complete that uh, officially as a walker, um, which is why the Australian Centurions recognised my distances and uh, awarded me the records. Uh, but also in the very first 24 hours, I made the decision to walk 100 miles, um, which in a six-day event as a walker, um, if you want to get your very, very best total, frankly, it's madness to, to walk 100 miles in the first day. It's, it's just too hard, too far, um, and all the rest of it. But I decided I wanted to do that anyway because it gives me another Centurion finish, um, which, as I say, I think it's taken me to 13 or 14. And currently the most prolific um, Australian Centurion finisher is Peter Bennett, who's done 21 or 22. So now one of my longer-term aims as well is I've got my eye on that, um, and if I can over the next 10 years or so, I wouldn't mind becoming the most prolific ever Australian Centurion walker. So there you go, just something else to aim for. So that was why I did the 100 miles and became the Centurion in um, in Hungary and then continued on after that to walk whatever distance the, the subsequent five days to eventually get to that 500-kilometre total, um, past the 540 existing Australian record and on to, I think I finished with 572 kilometres or thereabouts. An event a bit shorter in distance is Parkrun, Justin. Um, you've been to a few. Your home is Wangaratta, underwater at the moment, I think. Yep. Tell us a bit about your home event. Uh, yep, there would be one. Yeah, there would be one section down at the boat ramp which floods fairly easily. And the Ovens River is looking really healthy at the moment with some good uh, rains and stuff that have come through. So uh, I suppose from a, from, a, from a selfish perspective, I don't mind it when the Parkrun course is flooded. Um, because we get to see um, really healthy um, rivers and good water flows. Um, but the Wangaratta event's great. I, I just really love it. It's a great, um, uh, you know, a great testament to uh, Laura Tonkin, uh, who originally set it up, and the team here that um, serve tirelessly as race directors and volunteers every week. Um, they do a really great job. Um, the course is fully sealed. It's flat. It's got one tiny little rise of about two metres over 20 metres up a ramp at the boat ramp. Um, and other than that, it's flat, so it's fast. It goes along the banks of the Ovens River, um, which is really quite picturesque. 
Um, you know, and usually in the summer we, we get 100 finishes. Um, in the winter, this time of year, can drop down as low as about 50 when it's minus 4 degrees at the start. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a great, just a, it's a really terrific event. And you've parkrunned overseas as well. I know you've had a run at um, Greenpoint in South Africa. Uh, I have, yeah. Well, when, when Sharon and I went over for the uh, African Centurion last year, um, that was when we did uh, the Greenpoint race. And I can't, I don't know, oh, you probably do know this, you pair, but um, those South African park runs, they're massive. They've got three over there in Cape Town where we stayed. And I think the, um, the Cape Town one that we did at Greenpoint had 833 runners that day. And I said to the organisers afterwards, I can't believe how big this is. And they go, oh, there's a half marathon on tomorrow and it's taken away our numbers. <laughs> and I nearly fell over. And I said, what do you mean? And I said, oh, we never get under 1,000. Um, and they're, I think, either the second or the third, third largest uh, park run in Cape Town. So if you ever want to go and participate in a big atmosphere park run, um, South Africa seems like the place to do it. Um, so that was great fun. Um, yeah, it looks just, it's great. And even here in Australia, I've done, I think, Albert Park two or three times, ran into you there, Scott, a couple of weeks ago, of course. And, um, you know, they often have uh, up to 500, I think. So it's great. It's just great to see so many people. It's a really, um, it's just a good thing for society and for our communities in general that park runs come along. And and it's not in isolation because you, you do run a park run that might only have 30 people in your hometown, but you feel as though you're part of something bigger because you know at that moment all around Australia there's tens of thousands of runners. You know that all around the world at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning there's hundreds of thousands of runners all doing the same thing. I don't know. I, I, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but I just find it to be a, uh, a really cool concept um, and a great way to continually promote the benefits of, uh, of health and fitness. And how does it fit into into your sort of running schedule of a week, Justin? Like, is it just your um, you're going down to the corner to get coffee kind of thing, five k in the morning before you do another ridiculous amount later in the day? Or when when somebody does as many kilometres as you must to keep fit for these ultra events, how does parkrun fit in? Uh, usually, I like to go to parkrun on Saturday and run fairly hard, not quite at race pace, but hard. And, and so it works out to be one of usually only two sessions a week where I'll run hard. And so I, I use it in that way. And I really, I really enjoy that because I know most days I run, it's very rare, very rare that I'll run less than 10Ks. And usually most days it's sort of 15 to 25 in the morning. Um, and when you run that far every day, you really can't go too hard because if, if you, you just get too tired and too worn out and you can, you know, subject to injuries and all sorts of things. So probably the biggest Thing that I've learned in now over well, nearly 11 years of ultra running is to be really sensible um, with with your pacing on a week-to-week basis. Uh, a lot of people say listen to their body and oh, I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing but get the planning right. Don't just plan to go out and run hard um, every time you run because we've seen so Sharon and I have seen so many people come and go from um, you know the ultra running circuit that have probably just pushed it a bit, um, and then they've, they've sustained injuries and things and haven't been able to get back. So probably the most important thing I've learned is that. And then, therefore, for me, park run's just the perfect opportunity um, to go and have a shorter, harder run once a week. 
Um, and it, it fits well in that um, we cycle to parkrun. Our Wangaratta parkrun is 5Ks from home. So we just have a nice general cycle down to the start to warm up the legs. Um, and then after parkrun, uh, we cycle with a local uh, bicycle users group. And we normally do between 50 and 70 kilometres uh, on the bike um, from 9am. So it's really good. Nice general cycle down to the park, slam out a park run, um, and then a nice general 50 to 70k ride with the bugs after that. Makes for a pretty good Saturday. Home by lunchtime. Certainly does, and sensible, great advice to leave us with, Justin. Thanks very much for coming on the Parkrun Adventurers and having a good old chat to us about Ned Kelly Chase and running really, really far. Oh, that's a pleasure. Before I go, can I just um, mention a couple of other things quickly? First, I think this is your 165th podcast, isn't it? It is, yes. And did you know, you're talking on an earlier version because I went and did a little bit of homework. Um, if you hurry up, if you do your three podcasts each week, which I know you were uh, flippantly <laughs> talking about that. Uh, on a, on a <laughs> That's a lot. It is a lot of episode. Well, I know, but to get to 186, right? Now, if you, I don't know if you've done the, done the math or not, but the 187th, if you just do one a week, would be on the 17th of December. So I, I reckon you should hang on to just one a week and then you give yourself a nice Christmas present when you uh, get to the 187th on the 17th of December. How's that sound? That's more sensible advice. I like it. <laughs> it means we don't have to podcast three times a week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It'd be easier to find subject material. Well, it's been a delight. I'm, I'm really grateful that you asked me to come on board and um, I think it's terrific that you know, you're able to provide this service uh, to people in the broader community. It's just another way of celebrating park run and making sure we get the word out there um, and you know, I hope all of your uh, your followers really appreciate what you do. Howdy park runners, it's Toc reporting in for the Channel 5 News crew. I'm over here in sunny, hot, humid, hot, humid and I repeat hot, humid Talampuduulu. Hey, 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 hey. I've got Harry is with me. How are you, Harry? Harry, you just ran a pretty good time today for the heat. I suppose you're used to the heat. Yeah, but uh, not a good time, so I don't know. I'm used to the heat, but not a very good time. So maybe that evens out with you. (laughs) Well, I just looked at our weather forecast at home and it's got a feels-like temperature of 1.5 degrees. It's southerly and it's blowing its uh, tail off. Over here, it's 29 degrees and about 90% humidity, or as uh, Mel calls it, stewmidity. Um, I'll catch up with a couple of the park runners. This is a lovely little course. There is so many people out here doing Tai Chi, doing yoga, just walking. The path when we got here was fairly quiet, and now there is just a multitude of people. This is great to see so many people out. I'll catch up with some people shortly. Howdy adventurers, I'm about halfway through the course. I'm down here with one of the marshal, marshals, Lodge, who has a, uh, a high five hand up in the yes, air. Wow. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. It's, uh, well, we've got a photographer coming in to take yep. a photo as well. <laughs> yep. um, you're a local here. Yes, I how, am. How are the numbers today compared to normal? Oh, today we have uh, more visitors. Seems to be yeah. a lot of tourists. Yeah, um, yeah. When they did the call out, I think we had visitors from England, from Ireland, from Ireland Australia, from, Australia, from yes. oh, some other parts. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, it's very hot here at my park run at home <laughs> at the moment. It's about three or four degrees. Oh, okay. It's raining and it's hailing. Wow. So, Which part uh, of Australia? 
Uh, I'm down near Phillip Island, a place oh, called Inverloch. Okay. So right, right down the south, and we've got a fairly bad storm hitting at the moment. And some of our local events have even had to cancel because of lightning. Oh, okay. Whereas over here, it's about 28 degrees and about 90% humidity. I think it feels more than 28, right? <laughs> it feels like about 35 yes. from where I'm from. <laughs> yep. But, um, tell us a little bit about your course. It's a bit of a loop course. Yeah, two small loops, two big loops, and then one small loop back to the starting, uh, to the fun finish funnel. Yep. Yeah, and there's yeah. so many people out here exercising and walking that are not part of parkrun. Yeah, it, it's a it's a popular park. Hi, it, Uncle. Okay. Morning. Morning. It it always entertains me to see runners out running the opposite direction to the parkrun. As you think, guys, get on board, come and do a parkrun. Well, I encourage those that I see, like that Uncle. I've been trying to get him to get into parkrun. <laughs> well, well done. Thanks for volunteering at parkrun, and uh, yeah, enjoy your day. Thank you. Lashi, we finished recording and you, you've just told me that you got into parkrun. Tell us your story of how you got into parkrun. Oh, okay. My sister in Australia, she lives in Launceston. She got into parkrunning and then when she, she told us all about it and when she came down, we said, okay, we'll do one. We signed up and uh, that's where I am now. Yeah. So you've done Launceston as well? Yep, we have. We've done the Lockyer in uh, Adelaide. Okay, yeah, Lock yeah. Hill Park. Lock Hill, yeah. Yeah, yeah beautiful, yeah, beautiful flat course yeah. along the river. Yeah, yep. we've done that one. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Jubilee Way. I haven't done Jubilee. That's yeah. one you've oh, got up on beautiful. me. Yep. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, quite, quite, well, it's quite enjoyable. It's yeah. not as hot as here. No, I don't think anywhere is. <laughs> when we went, it was in August, so it was quite cold, like yeah. 3 degrees too. <laughs> But it was very enjoyable, a different kind of experience in park running. Very, very much so. Yeah. And every park you run you go to is a different experience. Yeah, and that's, that's a great right. thing about that's park right. run. Yeah. All right, well, enjoy your day. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Howdy, park runners. I'm here with a lovely young lady called Trixie at Tanampudu Ulu. Oh, sorry. I've got the locals correcting me. That's very good. Um, Trixie, you did the first timers briefing today. You did a superstar effort. It's your first time. Yeah. I use, I usually just volunteer like a marshal, but then um, Ellen, one of the leaders, she said she was talking to people about doing first timers briefing because she always does it. Yeah. So she came up to my family and she said, "Just listen to what I do next week, and then you can do it the week after that." And I said, "Yeah, sure." And how'd you find standing up in front of the group of people? I find it okay because I, my parents are drama teachers, and I like acting, and so I. I've got like, I can stand up in front of people and talk, but it is quite nerve wracking when you're only expecting five people and then you get 30. <laughs> yeah, quite a big crowd apparently today of visitors. Yes. And uh, when you stood up and started talking, you said it was your first time and I thought, no way, you've done this a heap of times before. <laughs> you uh, spoke very well. Thank you. I do, I speak in front of a lot of people quite a lot of the time because at school we have different projects we have to show off and then we have to speak in front of the whole class, which is about 20 people. So it's just an extra 10 people put in. Yeah, yeah, and they're only park runners, so they're yeah. all friendly. You know they're not going to bite. Yeah. Yeah, no, well done, and uh, it's a great park run. You've been here for seven years, you said? Yeah. We have been at Tamanpudu Ulu since it started, but we weren't able to make the first one, so the second Tamanpudu Ulu park run was our first one here. Okay, well done, and uh, yeah, great to talk. Thank you. Thank you. Howdy, park runners. I'm here with Colin. Colin was RD today. Colin, um, this place is hot, this place is humid. Is it always like this? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, some days we have a little bit more cloud and it's not quite so hot, but it's more humid. But uh, that's just 
running in Malaysia. We get used to it after a while. For a poor, for a poor Victorian, this place, um, we call it stumidity, stupid humidity. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you had quite a good turn up today. We, we did. I think I understand that there's holiday week in Australia this week. So I think we had a record number of tourists. It looks like at least uh, 20 plus which is nice, always good to, to welcome our overseas visitors. Yeah, tourists from the UK, from Australia, from Ireland, and there were some others that I can't quite remember. So you had quite a good uh, geographic representation as yeah, well. Yeah, we, we did. Um, typically our, our, our uh, tourists are about 50% from the UK, the other 50% from more or less every other part-run country in the world. We haven't yeah. had any Japanese visitors yet, but I think every other country has been represented at some time. Okay. Yeah, no, look, it's a lovely little course, loop course around, so you get to see a few people in that as well, so that's really great. Yeah, no, we're, we're pleased. It's, uh, we're, we're in pretty good location. We're not too far from the KL Centre, so it's good for people to get to. Um, it's a friendly little park, and, uh, yeah, and we like it. <laughs> and when we started, there weren't all that many out on the paths. There were quite a few people, but as we got into the second and third loops, there were uh, people appearing from everywhere. There's a lot of runners and walkers and tai chi groups and all sorts of things out there there is and of course because of the climate here everybody exercises early in the morning so uh, we tend to be out here at the same time as most other people um, and, and actually running and jogging are, uh, are pretty big in, in malaysia despite the heat so a lot of people uh, we try to encourage them to join park run but a lot yeah. of people just want to do their own thing so but uh, yeah we share the space but i think it, it, it all works quite well yeah. and uh, everybody always seems to be smiling and happy to see us and uh, Colin, just detecting a little accent there, I'm guessing you're not a natural-born Malaysian? No, not quite, but I've, I've lived here for 15 years, so... Oh, that, um, that's getting close. I guess it's getting that way, but uh, I'm actually from the UK. Okay, and what's your parkrun history? Did it start here, or...? Um, in, in, seriously, it started here. We, uh, we first found out about parkrun back in UK when we were going back for holidays about uh, five, six years ago. In fact, it was my wife that first got me uh, into doing it. Um, and then we, we used to do it on summer holidays. Um, again, through my wife, we heard that there was an attempt to start part run in Malaysia. She got involved with uh, the, the core group that, right at the beginning, a lady called Ima, who's not here this week. Who yeah, really she's in started, she's, she's in, in Ireland, Ireland this week. Um, and then I think there was one particular meeting where my wife was away and she asked me to go in a, in a place. And before I knew it, uh, I'd got uh, shielded into helping out. <laughs> And that, that's a great story because that's the way so many people fall into parkrun. It's not so much walk up to it, it's uh, falling into it and just discovering that it's a great little community yeah, to be involved yeah. in. Yeah, and it, what's, what's really nice, especially being involved, is that you just get to meet a lot of people that you don't meet in your day-to-day -day yeah. life. So we've now got a whole new circle of friends here that we wouldn't have come across otherwise. Perfect. Oh, thank you very much for that, Colin, and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, well, thank you and I appreciate you coming along and we hope to see you again. All right, cheers. All right. Hello, and we're at Lac Le Devon de Baines in France, and I'm with Sandra, Kelly, Anna Lee, and whereabouts are you all from? Uh, the central coast of New South Wales. And your home park runs? Mount Penang. And the reason you're here? Uh, why are we here? We're here to hike Mont Blanc and to go to the Netball World Cup. So and we're to throwing run park run. And, and to run the, the French park run. So is yes. this your first one overseas? Yes, first international park run. Okay, and it looks as though it's a perfect day for, well, actually, it could be a little bit warm. 
but the weather is absolutely perfect here. Definitely beautiful. And how many of the how many uh, park runs have you done in the past? One hundred and three, I think I am now. Um, congratulations on that. Thank you. And the reason you chose to come here to this particular park run hmm. because it was close to Geneva where we had to fly into. <laughs> okay, thank you. And uh, other questions, why do, you, why do you enjoy park run? Because you've made a bit of effort to come out here this morning, all oh, three of you. Why do we enjoy park run? We love great it. Way to yes, great community. It's motivation to get you up on a Saturday morning when you would easily stay in bed otherwise. But yeah, we've got a great community park run back at Mount Penang. So it's a great group of people to go and run with, socialise with, have a coffee after. Well, if you've done 103 runs, that gives some idea that you, you certainly enjoy it. Definitely. Okay, we're, we're actually about an hour before uh, the run starts here. So from now, we're just going to go for a little walk and um, then we'll have a go and see how this run eventuates. Okay, and uh, well, some of us, the race is still race. The run is still going on, but uh, some of us have finished. And I'm with... Ray Compton. Ray... <laughs> and you're doing the timekeeping today. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm doing the timekeeping today. <laughs> okay. And how did you get? In, how did you get to do the timekeeping? Um, um, I've been doing park run for about two years now. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I found this run by accident one day while I was out for my morning run, and they uh, they kind of kidnapped me along the <laughs> next week, and I, uh, I've been having a great time so, ever since. So, where are you living at the moment? Uh, I live here in France, <clears throat> in uh, Jacques, small town, sort of halfway yes. up the mountain. Um, and uh, I work in uh, Geneva. And, and where do you come from originally? I'm a New Yorker, born okay. and bred. <laughs> okay. so, so how did you find out about Parkrun? Um, again, I just um, I was out for my morning run and um, I ran into this very large group of people yeah. having a really good time <laughs> and somebody passed me a flyer and uh, I came the next week oh. and uh, and now I've been able to get my, my wife uh, involved in it as well. So she's out there somewhere or come in? No, she's out, she's off this weekend, but she's uh, she's here most weekends. Okay, so how long has this run been going for? Uh, we've just celebrated our um, our two-year uh, anniversary. Right. Um, so we've got uh, we're up to about 110 runs now, okay. 115. And I notice you've got uh, quite a few tourists. I assume this is normally the case. Yeah, it's very uh, very popular. There's a lot of people who come through Geneva for work, and we're just about 15 kilometers from Geneva. Mm -hmm. So anyone who knows Park Run always does a quick search of the area and finds us for their uh, their Saturday morning. <laughs> yes, yes. And how would you describe the run? The, um, the actual course. The course, it's beautiful. It's very flat. Uh, we run um, around a, a lake uh, that's uh, got a lot of greenery around. Um, the surface is good. The weather is normally lovely. <laughs> it's a, it is a perfect day today. If you wanted to come as a general tourist, you can't get any better than this. This is lovely. Yeah. yeah. And even yeah. even through the winter, I mean, there's there's a day or two with um, some ice on the road. But aside from that, it's really nice. Okay, yes. <laughs> Look, thank you very much and thank you for volunteering. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> Bye. And we're currently at the Blue, no, Blue Moon, Full Moon Cafe in the town of... Devon, Devon Le Bain. Ah. And I'm with... Uh, Lisa, Lisa Woodburn. Alan. And Alan Taylor. Okay, and how did you all come to be here and what did you think of today's run? Uh, I live here, well, live very close and I've been in France for 31 years and it was our son who set up the <laughs> Devon Park Run and asked us to come along to support it, so been running ever since. Um, He's done a bloody good job. <laughs> he also set up the one in Paris. Um, yeah, 
he has. <laughs> well, my wife and I have a, uh, an apartment up in the in the mountains, so we came down today just to do the park run. And that uh, was an hour and a half, was it? Uh, it's about an hour and a half to get here. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the wrong side of Geneva, really. So uh, there we are, and it's too hot today. So I didn't enjoy it very much, I'm afraid. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm here over to visiting Lisa from the UK and again the run today was, was the heat was the, the hardest thing for me today. And uh, my, my home run is on the Sunshine Coast and I will say that the humidity did sort of match a lot of what we get back home. However, there wasn't a beach, uh, an ocean that it could jump into that, uh, to cool off. Okay, look, thank you very much and uh, enjoy future running. <laughs> a very international feel from the boys this week. Tok in Tamanpudu Ulu and Dave getting very European in France. Just goes to show what you can do when you've got a bit of a budget in the podcast coffers, hey, Scotty? Don't say that. They might come... <laughs> Collecting expenses, and I checked the coffers, Mel. <laughs> we don't, we don't have a bunch. No. no. <laughs> Whoops. We're in the red. Oh well. Um, let's carry on with some launches and anniversaries news. I'm drawing a line under this, Mel. Oh, okay. We are going to. I've, I've threatened this before, but now I'm really going to make it happen. We've got two more weeks of anniversary announcements, and then we're going to stop. There's too many. No one's listening. Nobody cares. It's just an excuse to rattle off some names. Um, and for us to mispronounce stuff and get the dates wrong and the states wrong. So we're going to do it for two more weeks. So if it's your favourite part of the podcast, relish these take last it all moments. In. <laughs> yeah, take it all in. But we have one launch this week uh, just announced fresh off the presses. We're launching the world's first parkrun in a women's prison over in WA at Wandu. How exciting is that? Yes. Great work from um, all the team involved in that. So we'll see what happens there. Very cool. Very cool. And In terms of anniversaries. Yes. Now, should we do this, this really slow? <laughs> oh. Just hope they're right. Well, the first one we've got is Armadale in New South Wales. Jeeveston. Mel, I was looking. I got the um, Jetstar email on Friday. What do they call it? Friday Frenzy or whatever. Friday Friday Fair Frenzy, yes. Friday, 42 bucks. To get oh, to my goodness. You know what? I was just thinking about this yesterday because we are going to get a new Western Compass Point and when we do, it means I have to go back to both Western Australia and Tasmania um, before I can be a navigator. And unless I got to Jeeveston before Western Australia happens and – I just don't know if – I mean, Emmett hasn't been on a plane yet, so it would be great to just um, chuff on down to Jeeveston. But you don't fly with Jetstar, Scotty. Why are you looking at their fair frenzies? I know. Yeah, I know. They're very bucks. cheap sometimes, <laughs> but you you were all snobbish about it. So you yeah, could well, pop I, I didn't do it. I'm just saying that it came up and it, it – it, Piqued my interest, but yeah. If if Jeeveston were a little bit closer to the airports, you could almost just pop over for a day trip. But you'd probably have to go down the night before, wouldn't you? Probably, probably. Yeah, and it is really, really cold down there at the moment. So. Oh, it's cold. It's cold the country over at the moment. Yeah. See how we're dragging out this anniversary is making the most. <laughs> of it. The uh, next Mansfield. one. Yeah, Mansfield in Queensland, and we've got another Emma. In Queensland with Meadowbrook as well. Pallara and rounding out Renmark, an event I have been to. 
You have many, so many months ago. Which means we will not be going there for the 2020 Parkrun Adventures Listener Meetup. So it's definite we're going to get to um, 2020 and the Listener Meetup next year. Even if the podcast finished, we'll have the Listener Meetup. <gasps> what are you talking about finished? <laughs> it's my threat. I haven't done it for a few more a No, few I was going to say, you do this all the time. <laughs> you do this every year. It's like, will we finish? I don't know. Yeah. Look, we're take, I think the um, replacement co-host has worked really well. So I think we're, we might start taking expressions of interest. If you want to replace me on the Parkrun Adventurers, contact us, parkrunadventurers at gmail.com. Please not, not necessarily indefinitely, but maybe just as a guest. Yeah, I've already had conversations, Mel. Oh, well, you haven't had conversations with me, Scotty. We might have to <laughs> talk about this off air, I think. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Another big episode. Yeah, well, you know, they had to happen again eventually, didn't they? So let's wrap it up. Um, let's try and not go to our home events this weekend. Try and not do it. Well, yeah. okay. I'm not sure if I can help you out with that one, but I do promise, and as I mentioned in the intro, Scotty, that there will be adventures in the not-too-distant future coming from the Urbacker side of the podcast. Okay, just not next week, which means I might go home next week as well and we'll do it all again. Oh, you could try to be a bit interesting <laughs> to make up for my lack of next week. Yeah. I'll it's really hard. I, look, I do admire it's, – it's fun adventuring in summer. It, it is. It's, yeah. It's much more fun. Like in winter, you've got to get up. It's dark. It's cold. I'm a real fair-weather adventurer. <laughs> so <laughs> – Maybe let's just go home. Maybe we should just do the podcast six months out of the year during the spring and summer, and then we could be the fair weather adventurers. There you go. All right. Well, I would like to podcast with you next week, irrespective of where you go, Scotty. So I'll chat to you then. Yep. Sure. Lock it in.